Let's get nice and moist and loose, guys, for episode 30. 30. Dirty 30. Dirty 30. So we'll see how dirty this episode gets. Daddy. It's a little dirty. Yay! Okay. It's like not dirty, dirty, but it's like dirty hands, dirty. Okay. Okay. Well... <laughs> Fair enough. It's Dirty 30. I'll try to make innuendos if I can. I guess I should tell you what this is. It's True Crime Trine. You know, it's that <laughs> podcast where the three of us get together. We talk the about- The planets align. Oh, fuck the fucking planets <laughs> is what I have to say about the planets. Sometimes. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. It's fine. You know, planets are not always in alignment, but <laughs> whatever the planets are doing today is nobody's business but the planets, but we're still going to talk about True Crime astrology and any other weird bullshit we can fit into this podcast so well, yeah that was a great intro nailed it music housekeeping yes as a matter of fact i have housekeeping and it has to do with the fact that this is our 30th episode so as a part of the place that i work we have a like a charity fundraiser type thing it's called cfd i think it's combined something or other anyways our geology department has done an auction for their part in cfd so I am bidding for you guys, and it, my bid is at $30 for two pieces of fluorite. <gasps> oh. And they're really, really pretty. Ooh, so, oh, my fluorite. God. That's so cool. Keep your fingers crossed that my $30 bid for our 30th episode will win these really beautiful crystals. Awesome. And then I'll get them shipped down to you guys. Oh. I was looking at it and I was like, geology, huh? I'm going to look on there. And I was like, oh, crystals. crystals. Imagine that. They're minerals, Marie. I know. <laughs> Some of them are minerals. Yeah, I need to transfer that money that you gave me for beer back to you after that beast of an episode I've given you to um, throw <laughs> together. So. Well, don't do it until I actually finish it. So. I, oh, okay. Right. It'll be distracting. <laughs> I think this will just be like the 20 bucks that just gets Venmoed all around. Incentives. <laughs> That's right. cool, though. I love it. My One of my foresters today had said he was on Venmo, and he was like, I had to laugh because you sent somebody some money for alcohol. And I was like, oh, yeah, Hannah won trivia. <laughs> I even called it. I was like, Hannah's going to win this. <laughs> I love trivia, guys. At some point, I'll do a better trivia. I'll get creative. It may be about... True crime trying. I Ooh. actually have a book I got on my Kindle that was 99 cents that's serial killer trivia. Oh my god. For 99 cents? Yeah. So, you know, it's got the questions and the Is answers. It like common trivia? Or? Uh, probably fairly, probably a step above the general public. Okay. I don't think you buy that book if you're not interested in true crime. Near, near. So it's like, what vehicle did Ted Bundy drive? Yeah. Oh, that's like a bug. Woo! White. Without a a passenger seat? Well, white cream. It was like pale yellow. White cream, not the same, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Hannah is colorblind. Just kidding. 
All right. Do we have a mierda? We actually, because it's special episode number 30, I have three <gasps> mini <gasps> stories Yay! that I've kind of put together. and they, they all kind of have similar themes. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Is it Dirty 30? They're not. Okay. So the, the dirtiness isn't really like dirty. Obvious. Okay. It's like. I don't know, just like... We'll see. Someone was buried in dirt? <laughs> no dirt. <laughs> There's dirt it's like, involved. Maybe it's not even called dirt when it's like this. It's just like, I don't like know, grave dirty wax? hands in the situation. Oh, like, okay, I see. Oh. Someone did it. It's obvious who did it. They were red hand, caught red-handed. Yeah. yeah, not dirty-handed, I guess. I don't know. I'm <laughs> Clearly, I am not functioning. We're all doing great. Well today. <laughs> Hit it. All right, so uh, first up is kind of a fun one. I mean, not fun for the people involved, but it's hilarious <laughs> to me. My mom actually sent me this article and I was like, what the fuck? Oh, mom. So I had to include this and then that kind of like got the ball rolling of what these three were going to be. So okay. in 2020, an Indian man was found guilty of murdering his wife by renting a cobra to bite her and make it look like it was an accident. So then he could take her jewelry and then marry another woman. Her jewelry, especially? <laughs> Okay. So, in what had been described as a modern murder mystery, a young man from the Kalam district of the Indian state of Kerala was convicted of arranging his wife's murder with the help of a venomous snake. This heinous... <laughs> Sorry. Heinous? Heinous. Heinous. Heine. Heine. Did the snake, like, what's it called when aided and abetted? God. Oh. Fine. What's it called when you're, like, the second person in a, in a murder? <laughs> never mind. Oh, Not my this. God. I can't think of it. <laughs> Oh, I can't even think of accomplice. accomplice. Yeah, thank you. Tried as an accomplice. No, that was way too hard to get to that. Words. What are they? (laughs) The heinous crime took place in May of 2020, but investigators needed over a year to be able to collect any necessary evidence to be able to charge the husband. So, the 32-year-old man named P. Suraj may have gotten away with it, except for his meddling kids. Deceased wife's parents. Okay. Who immediately suspected foul play and filed a complaint against him, which launched the investigation. Uh, so they just didn't like it from the beginning. They're like, fuck this guy. This motherfucker. <laughs> so prosecutors were able to prove in March and May of last year, March Suraj and May. had used a cobra rented from a local handler <laughs> to bite his wife, Uthra. So, yes, you heard right. That's two separate months, March and May. In the first attempt, which was carried out in their home, um, where they also had their one-year-old child. Oh, great. Thank <laughs> you, dick, man. Yeah. Uthra was sleeping and bitten by one of the snakes. One of the snakes? Bed. How many did he bring? Well, this is the first event. Oh. I just but imagined she was hospitalized a bunch and managed to survive. Snakes writhing around in the sheets or something. Oh, God. <laughs> like a goddamn nightmare yeah literally a couple of months later on may 6 2020 while she was recovering from this the first snake bite she then suffered another snake bite and this one did the trick oh so investigators claimed that suraj was the one who brought the venomous cobras into the house and had them bite his wife on both occasions they produced evidence that he had researched snake handling online and deadly snake bites on the internet for months before months. contacting for months, yeah. How long does it take had, to research he had a snake search bites, history. Okay. He had a search history of like snakes. How do they kill you? He hasn't been on the internet as much as I have. <laughs> <laughs> and then he contacted a local snake handler and actually did some training to learn how to safely handle them so he himself wouldn't get bitten. I'm very disappointed that he himself did not get bitten. Yeah. I am too. Yeah. Right in the asshole. 
<laughs> Ooh, that that would take some finagling. Also, I would feel sorry for the snake. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Like, <laughs> you don't deserve this. <laughs> so police managed to track down this snake handler who admitted to training survival. God, I hope you're going to say the snake. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, sir, we're going to bring you in for questioning. <laughs> <laughs> and he bites the police officer. <laughs> they brought him in, the, the snake handler in... Yeah, and he's a questioned weak him, and he even he he admitted to training Siraj to how to handle the snakes, and then provided him with a specimen, aka the snake, and then he had used that to try and kill his wife on two different occasions. The second time, he had mixed sleeping pills into Uthra's drink so that she would be even deeper in sleep, and she could get it to bite her twice before she would react. So did the snake handler know that he was giving a snake out to be a murder weapon? That's not really stated. I think you can probably, like, be a snake trainer, because you know how they do that for, like, show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, like, you know, you do, like, the the whistly flute thing and get them to be all, what is it, a snake charmer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think you can survive on a business where you just, you just give out snakes to murderers. No, no, I don't <laughs> think that was the case. I think it was more of, like, a, a show and tell, like, a... a party trick sort of thing. Yeah. But either way, so it bites her twice. And then Suraj said that he had remained awake for the whole night to try and make sure that the cobra didn't bite him as well. Why didn't he just put it away? Yeah. Yeah. The next morning, Suraj pretended to be shocked after discovering Uthra's dead body. Oh, my wife. Didn't buy it. Yeah. They're like, "Mm." my wife is dead. Weird. Yeah. For months afterwards, he and his family were harassed. Good. Sorry, had harassed for her dowry. Oh. And so, like, because he didn't receive the dowry after they got married or before or anything. Yeah, don't don't you get that at the wedding? Supposedly. So... Obviously, my dowry is to nothing. Maybe, like, a leg of a cat. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not giving him the whole cat. Uh, No. (laughs) So, because of, like, this harassment, basically, they had filed a complaint against him and accused him of setting up the whole thing. He and his family immediately tried to shift the blame, filing a complaint of their own against Uthra's brother, who then basically accused him of trying to inherit the entire family fortune. And then the police, when they were able to launch their investigation, it it came clear that basically Suraj didn't have a leg to stand on in this, and he had a lot more to hide. It sounds like his family's also a bunch of, like, greedy assholes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're like, well, what about this? They're supposed to do this for us. Yeah, it's just like a tit-for-tat kind of bullshit. I learned where he, like, got it from. Yeah. Yeah. So because there weren't any witnesses or any direct circumstantial evidence, it took a really long time. The prosecutors had to rely on scientific and technical evidence to be able to prove his guilt. Yay, science! And they went as far as to conduct a test with another cobra to show the difference between natural and induced bite marks. Okay. And so one of the ways that you handle cobras or any venomous snake is right behind the head. You don't yeah. want to handle them lower down the neck because they can just turn around and bite you. But when you handle them right behind the Mice head- as well. Right. You kind of, you kind of scruff- not scruff scruff the snake you want to hold the entire neck of the snake and in doing so it kind of flattens out their jaws and makes them wider and so in a natural snake bite the marks will of like where the fangs go in are 1.7 to 1.8 centimeters but in uthra's case the measurement between the bite marks was said to be 2.3 to 2.8 centimeters so pretty significant difference i really thought he just released the snake into the bed and let nature take its course but he was like holding the snake and like, meh, meh. yeah, like oh, like a dagger with the fangs. Yeah, yikes. Uh huh. The snake's like, I don't even want to be here. She's what are just you like, doing? No. I'm full. No, I wonder if the snake could charge him with like molestation. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. 
It's like, I don't want to do this, bro. Stop it. Why are you making me an accomplice? Yeah. <laughs> Just a, I mean, I, I don't know what sick. that means, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that was basically what they needed to be able to show that this was not an accident in any way, shape, or form. That's really cool, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then during the investigation, in the amount of time, like which was basically a year for them to pull this all together and figure out that he had done it on purpose while all the other bullshit with the family and dowry and inheritance and stuff is unfolding, he was trying to already marry another woman, Ugh. wanted to give her, her jewelry to be able to influence her to marry him. His dead wife's jewelry. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Romantic. That would totally yeah. work. Yeah. Gross. I do like jewelry a lot, but not that not- much. Dead wife jewelry? Not dead wife jewelry. Like, I like a, like, dead old people's jewelry that I find in a Goodwill. Antiques? Antiques is what I'm trying to say. There you go. Dead people <laughs> stuff is what I'm going to call it. Old, old things. I'm going to open up a store that just says dead people's things. <laughs> Bonus if they if they have a cool backstory. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I can put a little, like, pin on it. Oh, man. Like a little booklet? Yeah. This wedding ring was worn on the Titanic. Sure. Yeah. Shit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's basically story number one. What a dick, man. Yeah. Renting a snake. Where do you even rent a fucking snake from? In India. Oh, I guess this might be more common over there. Or they might have more snakes. I mean, I feel like snake charming is more of a, I don't want to say cultural thing, but maybe. Yeah. I feel like you could rent a snake in Florida. <laughs> Right, but probably not a cobra. I feel like cobras are in- endemic, Ind- indigenous. Yeah, indigenous. The the, yeah, they live there. What did I call it when I couldn't think of indigenous? Do they party? Do they, Do party? they party? That was the Do best. Do pufferfish party there? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so story number two. This one's a little bit longer. Is the theme it's got snakes? Some... No, it's not snakes. Animals. Killing. <laughs> Killing? Uh, spouse killings for... Oh, spouse killings. Okay. Well, spouse or significant other or something. It's like opposite sex killings, I guess. Okay. Which is kind of stupid, but... Okay. They're weird stories of like things that should not have happened. Okay. The theme is murder. Murder What's it with called? things that are not... Um, like crimes of passion. <laughs> I feel like a crime of passion could be a knife, though. These are these are murders <laughs> without weapons. Oh, yeah, oh, trying to be... okay. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. without traditional type weapons. Yeah. I mean, like, if you're flailing around a snake, that could be a weapon, but... Almost anything could be a weapon, I guess. Yeah. You hit in the right spot. There is a, a list of fun, funny weapons. <laughs> Not fun. <laughs> One of which was a, you know, like, the gherkins, like, the little tiny like pickles. Like the pickles? Yeah. It's a pickle jar of, like, baby gherkins that someone hit someone over the head with and killed them. Oh, my God. Not with pickles. Not my pickles. I love pickles. I'm just imagining those tiny pickles in there. They're in there going, <laughs> and there's like no, sloshing around in this. the brine. <laughs> like, ah, yeah. Oh no. Okay. So, Mirdir number two Mier without number two. a conventional weapon. Okay. okay. On July 21st, 2018, in South Carolina, James Blackledge was out riding his motorcycle when all of a sudden he saw a woman running across the yard and she frantically waved him down. This was Lana Clayton, 53, who had apparently just run out of her house and she had him call 911 from his cell phone. Time out. Would you stop if you saw a random woman just running towards you and you're driving down a road? No. I wouldn't. (laughs) 
if she like got in his way i don't know like it might be just like a, a peaceful neighborhood and she's like i'm too ah! suspicious i'm like this is a ruse <laughs> maybe yeah maybe i but might i might call the police and be like there's a very frantic woman on bubblegum street but uh i'm not stopping yeah for no. anybody yeah. I generally have my daughter in the car Ooh, with me, yeah, so no. I'm not fucking stopping for anyone. No. However, I have been known to pick up dogs that were in the road. Mm. Oh. I didn't pick up a dog or a cat, probably. <laughs> I picked up a dog that was on running in the road before without a collar. It was a gorgeous mm-hmm. dog. I just, like, stopped, pulled over, opened up my back door, and it was like, <gasps> go for a ride, yeah. Huh? And it hopped right in and was like, where are we going? <laughs> Just a couple of years ago, we were headed to school and work and there was like four cars that had stopped and there was this dog that was weaving kind of in and out of this, you know, pretty busy area and the traffic is about 50 miles an hour in there. Oh no. So it was likely that this dog was going to get hit and it just kind of looked confused. So I pulled over to the shoulder and I popped the trunk or that we have a hatch on the back of our car. And and I just kind of was like, come here. Hey, bub. And he was like, hello, friend. And jumped Please right help. in the back. So I, <laughs> I closed it and there was like this, there's this walking, biking trail. And there's uh, like a parking lot for it that was just maybe, you know, like the next street up. And so we pulled into there and he did have his collar on him. So I called it and nobody answered, but there's two numbers. So I called the other and I got like the dog's grandpa. if you will and this guy was like oh my gosh thank you so much let me call my son and you know and I'll tell him that you're you know they live right off the road that was nearby and and I'll tell him and then he can come come down and get the dog so we're waiting there and the dog is just super friendly super you know just sweet dog and uh so the guy comes and evidently his house had been burglarized he's having a shit day the burglars had let his dog out of the house, like, on purpose. Yeah. So this dude's just, he's crying. He's just like, oh, my God. He would have died right on that road. It would, I mean, it would just, it was a matter of time. And he goes, so to have your house fucking burglarized and then those fuckers. You're missing your dog. Let your dog out. So, anyways, it was a happy story, a happy reunion for this super cool dog. But, yeah. I was like, I don't know, but I just, I I couldn't put it on my conscience to have him get hit, you know. And nobody else, I mean, they were slowing down, but nobody else was really stopping. Mm-hmm. And he, like, the dog you rescued, I mean, he just jumped in was like, hey. Hey. I like <laughs> I have families. <laughs> I've been in a car before. <laughs> but yeah, so save dogs or cats, just, I don't know, people, people are sketch as fuck. Morris just left the biggest puddle of drool on my desk. <laughs> On your cardigan, too, it looks like. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. This is a robe, by the way. Oh, my bad. And it's I, like a cardigan. I did not do what Meredith does and blow my screen. <laughs> and so when we went into breakout rooms for this art um, workshop. I was like, turn my video on. I'm like, I didn't make my bed. <laughs> There's my laundry, everybody. <laughs> Oops. Oh, well. Yeah. It happens. <laughs> okay. Sorry. No, that's fine. Super big sidetrack. James Blackledge riding his motorcycle. Woman comes screaming out onto her lawn, yelling and asking him to stop. He stops. He calls 911. He's on the phone with the dispatcher and Lana's saying that her husband looks like he fell down the steps and she thinks he's dead. Mm. Oh, wow. So oh, this is a murderer. Then, as he's murderer. on the phone with the dispatcher, 
What? This is the murderer, not the murderee. I thought she was going to get murdered. No. As he's on the phone with the dispatcher, he sees Lana run across the street to a neighbor's house, Terry's house, Terry Floyd. Hi, Terry. Terry said, all of a sudden, I heard this loud knock on the screen. It's almost... It almost sounded like somebody, you know, was going to bust the glass out. It was Lana. And Terry Floyd happened to be a close friend of Lana and her husband, Steve Clayton, who was age 64 at the time. How old was Lana? 53. Okay. So Terry asks her what's wrong. She says, it's Steve. It's Steve. Come quick. And the two jumped into Terry's golf cart and rushed over <laughs> to the Clayton's house. See, old Terry, reliable Terry. He knows what to do. Yeah. He's got a golf cart. Heck yeah. So Terry says, well, where is he? And she said, he's at the base of the stairs there in the foyer. Was it an owl? Have you guys watched the staircase? No. Okay, never mind. Someone will get that joke, maybe? I don't know okay. how big our audience is. No owl was here. So James and Terry are there. James said he thought it was just an accident, a strange accident, but just an accident. And then Lana, weirdly, is sitting down on the front steps. And so James and Terry go inside and Terry, from inside the house, tries to feel for a pulse, but knew that Steve was dead. See, Terry can do everything. I love Terry. Terry. So, according to Lana, Steve had come down with a bout of vertigo three days prior. You get vertigo! I know. He'd been nauseated, dizzy, and bedridden, which I can confirm. I've you had get bouts of vertigo. vertigo. <laughs> yeah. And, oh my god, you can't feel, you can't move without feeling like you're going to fall off the earth. Mm -hmm. Like, everything is just not okay. So, fortunately, though, Lana's a nurse which normally made Steve's sister and the rest of his family really happy. And Rosie, his sister, actually stated that she thought that he was in good hands, of course. So Lana and Steve had actually met online in 2010 and then were married three years later. It was Lana's second marriage. That's kind of cute, though, because they like he was in his 50s, she was in his 40s. Yeah. Yeah, they were older. It was not their first marriages or anything. Steve's family had actually lost count of the number of times that he'd been married. Oh, Steve. <laughs> it seemed to be a bit of a toss-up between six or seven. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Little Lothario. You don't Jeez. have to get married. You can't just live together and bone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Steve's nephew, Chris, said Steve loved being in love, but it didn't yeah. always work out well for him. Oh, Steve was a romantic. Some people are like that. Yeah. yeah. Serial... Yeah. I, mm -hmm. I see, I see. Serial husband. Um. <laughs> he just really wanted something, and he never actually got it, it sounds like. Yeah. So Steve happened to have been an accountant by trade who, in the 80s, generated a highly successful physical therapy business, um, which kind of, like, helped people with sports injuries, and that made him into a millionaire. And so he was able to actually retire by age 40. Question. Damn. He was a yeah. accountant that did physical therapy? He was an accountant who helped raise a physical therapy business. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Numbers yeah. are lucrative, man. Yeah. I'm in the wrong field every day I think about that. So they've, they've got this mansion in South Carolina. Ooh, fancy. Their bedroom was on the second floor. Lana told the investigators that she had checked on him, see how his vertigo was doing around 11 a.m. that morning, found him sleeping, so then went outside to mow the lawn. And then she had, before she went outside, making sure she had his water, his medications, all his things next to his bed in case he woke up and needed something there's a loud car that's not part of the story <laughs> for fuck's sake <sighs> okay we have the youth here again with like their mufflers that are all fucked up because they think yeah. it's impressive <sighs> it's a bunch of honda civics in your neighborhood the youth i know a beat up honda <laughs> civic that just has a muffler whatever whatever they do to the mufflers to make them sound really yeah. loud not muffled uh, they unmuffle the muffler <laughs> 
and they roam room it in hopes of getting your heart. Uh, yeah, so yeah, like it's that. a mating call. You can hear it from miles away. <laughs> oh, that's actually are they territorial? Ecologically, they that makes a lot of sense. What is my mating call? What is your <laughs> mating call, listeners? Let us know. We'd like to know. Fuck, I lost my place again. Sorry. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Banter. Terry and several of the other neighbors were all consoling her. Lana, they were all backing her 110%. When the deputies, the sheriff's deputies arrived, they found Lana in distress over her husband's apparent fall down the stairs. Officers actually had their body cam video recordings on. And Terry can be seen and heard saying how Lana is on a bit of a guilt trip about not checking on him sooner. And the officers are going, oh no, it's not your fault. And Terry's saying, why don't you just take a look to see if there's signs of him actually falling or anything? And the officer's going, Terry's also an investigator. Yeah. Terry. Is Terry a retired police officer that lives across the street? (laughs) There's nothing on Terry in this story. I wish there was. So prepared. He's a a handy neighbor. I need to know. He's the neighbor we all need. I want to live It's the one neighbor I would talk to. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And go for rides in his Ooh, golf, golf cart. cart? Yeah. <laughs> Take me That's to like my mailbox. That's how he the neighborhood. Maybe he's like really vigilant on the uh, neighborhood watch situation with his old golf cart. Oh, Could be. He's just going yeah. around the neighborhood. I love it. I mean, this is like a, a mansion neighborhood mm. in South Carolina. Okay. So we don't necessarily want to know where all their money's coming from out there, but hi. <laughs> hi, Terry. We see you. Hey, Terry. Terry. Daddy. <laughs> yeah. So the officers... Is that another car? Jesus. Someone really likes you, Sarah. God. We don't want it. It's not what gets me. (laughs) What mating call gets you, listeners? Let us know. (laughs) What makes your heart go boom, boom? (laughs) All right. We can do this. Officers are consoling her. She's acting like she's got this huge guilt trip for not checking on him sooner. Terry's saying, hey, something's up. This is weird. She was sitting on the steps, not, you know, going in and trying to help him. She's a nurse. Oh. Lana's friends and neighbors are being like, you can't blame yourself for this. She's a nurse, so she she knew she was de- he was dead. Right. So getting to that. Well, okay, so part of... I guess part of CPR training, it was stated, is that you are, once you start, you're not supposed to stop until secondary help arrives. That's true. And she never Did any CPR? Okay. Mm -mm. And she's a nurse. But if he's dead, dead. Yeah. Would you? I don't think she even checked. Oh, I'm forgetting my CPR training. It's obviously lapsed. So, okay. So, officers are there. Neighbors are there. Everyone's walking around being like, oh my god. Word spread about Steve's sudden death. And his nephew, Nick, who is also a police officer in a neighboring town, rushed over. So Nick said, Lana gave me a big hug. She started crying. Right after that, I walked in to where Steve was and saw him. It was very much a shock. I loved Steve. And to see him in a vulnerable position like that was very difficult for me. I'm surprised they let him in. Like, it's family. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you don't want to see family like that. Yeah. I mean, like, there's neighbors on the front yard and everything. Like okay yeah it's it seems like there's a lot of people there so it's like the Beliska axe murder house where the whole town just got to trace through right it in. get yeah, that bacon <laughs> <laughs> so the deputy coroner at the scene reported seeing nothing suspicious believed that the cause of death was most likely due to a heart attack um, they oh. concluded at that point that it appeared to be a natural death hmm. but being an experienced cop and investigator steve's nephew nick that officer from the nearby town couldn't help but notice some red flags and weird things about Aunt lana's actions immediately after she'd found Steve. So first was that there were supposed to be two phones in that house. 
and neither of them were around since she had to go and flag down a motorcyclist for a phone call. Like a landline? Or like cell Or like phones. a cell phone. A cell phone. Okay, but okay. in panic, I don't want to like protect Lana sure. here. I think she killed her husband, but like in a panic moment, you might just forget you have Freak a cell out. phone. Yeah. Yeah. You just might forget everything. And just like, you've got ah! Sure, sure. Adrenaline pumping, Yeah, and she's emotions. not like a 20-something. She's like in her 50s, so maybe phones aren't as like second nature to, or yeah, to her or anything. It's not glued to her palm. Yeah. Yeah. It's easier to wrangle a motorcyclist than to find your cell phone. Sure. Yeah. But then also, you know, why Why wasn't she doing CPR or trying to resuscitate in any form? But if she was they... doing CPR, no one's calling 911. Man, I have right, a lot that's... of excuses for Lana. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hannah's team Lana. I'm not. <laughs> for the defense, we have Hannah. Hey, hi, uh... guys. <laughs> So Nick starts taking note of all the weird parts that aren't matching up. He stated on an officer's body cam that Steve always had his phone on him. Always. It was his lifeline. And we weren't able to find Steve's phone anywhere. Nick also noted that Lana's reaction when the deputy coroner asked about the funeral arrangements, Lana said, it's just too much right now. And she had her head in her hands. But that's a lot! I have no idea. That seems totally reasonable, Nick! Sure. Do you know how to grieve, Nick? I would be more suspicious if she was like cremation. Cremation immediately. immediately. I have the song picked out and the songs, and we're gonna just do this. And here's my life insurance policy on him. Cool. So as they are going through, the deputy coroner offers to take Steve's body to the morgue and run some tests to find out specifically how he died. And Nick encouraged Lana to comply that further testing would help figure out what happened to him. Then Lana looked up, takes her hand out of her head and says, that funeral home, the one that's right down the street, let's just take him there and have him cremated. (gasps) And it was just that quick. Like she went from, I have no idea what I'm going to do into let's have him cremated. Okay. She knew exactly what Lana, she wanted them to do. I'm trying yeah. on your defense for some reason, and I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> Sarah's so annoyed so, that I keep interrupting her story. <laughs> so Nick wanted to call Steve's other nephew, Chris, and let him know that their beloved uncle had died. He says that Lana insisted that he that she didn't want Chris to be able to see his uncle in that state. Fair. And Nick replies that, what? That's fair. Yeah, I'm sure. back on Lana. Nick says that Chris is an adult. He's a big boy. It should be his his choice whether or not he wants to see him. And Nick then says, I started thinking that something's going on. So when she told me no for the third time and even yelled at me, I walked upstairs and just called him. That gets a little weird because if the coroner hasn't even noticed that there's an accident, I feel like Chris could look at the body and be like, that guy's dead. And that's all he would see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Tone it down, Lana. <laughs> So Nick goes upstairs to call Chris, and that's when he goes upstairs and sees the bedroom, and the state of the bedroom was abysmal. There was just everything, like, weird and dirty. The entire bed was soaked in urine, like Steve hadn't been able to get up to go to the actual bathroom in days. Oh my god. And there were, like, cups and things on the nightstand. Nope, not strapped down. Okay, he just couldn't move? Yeah, basically. Oh no, it's the drugs. Sorry. (laughs) Okay, so at this point, calls Chris. He also calls Rosie, Steve's sister, who was in Florida at the time. And for three days prior to his death, Rosie had been worried because she couldn't reach her brother on the phone. And Rosie said, suddenly there were just no replies. It was... It wasn't like him to just completely cut off. I thought it was very odd. So the state of the bedroom, Rosie hasn't been in contact. Lana's acting weird. Maybe Lana's just not a good nurse. Lana's not a good nurse. Defense. (laughs) Hopefully she's better than Beth. I think she killed a patient, so no. (laughs) 
So they decide to actually do a full toxicology report. Mm, Dorothea coming in hot! <laughs> when coroner Sabrina Gast first reviewed Steve's toxicology report, there was a chemical found in his blood that she'd never actually heard of before. Hmm. She said it was tetrahydrozoline. I don't know what that is. So I had to look it up and I was like, whoa, wait a minute. So tetrahydrozoline or THC is a common ingredient in visine. Oh. Oh. Okay. THC? Yeah. Z. Oh, Z. Z. I think me and Meredith were on the same path here. (laughs) Tetrahydrozoline. Okay, THC. Found in Visine. Found in Visine, which is the eye medication? Uh huh. Eye drops. Get the red out. So it's a vaso restrictor? Constrictor? Okay. Yep. Okay. So this is a drug that normally, when applied topically to the sclera of the eye, just works to help remove the redness and make you look more alert and awake. Um, not like you've been crying or are high or etc. or whatever, right? Just make your eyes white again. Um, but when this is ingested, it has really, really different effects. So you might have seen in the movie Wedding Crashers, one of the characters squirts a couple of drops into the drink of his arrival, and this causes him extreme digestive troubles like nausea, vomiting, okay. uh, <laughs> dizziness, confusion, diarrhea, right? But for larger doses, it essentially it can attack the respiratory system so it's it slows down your breathing causes respiratory depression and then death and because it's colorless odorless and tasteless it's really difficult to be able to detect in anything i mean even water yeah much less Mm -hmm. like a tea or coffee or anything like that so it's found in his blood at a concentration of 68 nanograms per mil which is like really really too high like it should probably be zero it should be zero. I mean, if you're using it topically, it's still pretty much zero. It's like zero point one. He's absorbed yeah. a lot of it. And he's been absorbing a lot of it. Yeah. So the initial assessment was a natural death, but they're starting to change that. And essentially, they didn't know if he had in- intentionally taken the tetrahydrozoline because Lana had started saying essentially that he learned from someone that he could take a couple drops in his morning coffee and it would help him go to the bathroom. Lana is being a very difficult client for me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Shut up, <laughs> Lana. Oh, yeah. So when they approach her about the tetrahydrozoline or THZ, she goes, oh, yeah, that's Visine. She knows well, exactly what it is. She's a nurse. She knows exactly what it is. And he may have talked to her about pooping. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, I talk about pooping all the time if I said anything of another. Sorry. Yeah. So at this time, they've, they've got the autopsy. They've got the, the report and everything that he actually died of this. And she's sitting in a room while they're doing this sort of just like conversation to try and figure out what had happened. And investigators from the sheriff's office and the FBI had the room oh, the like FBI bugged me listening in on the conversation. Yeah. I have a so, technical question. Do you know anything about the, like, retention time in the body of THC? Does it build up over time or does it get washed out? Does it metabolize? Yeah. That is a great question. I think I had that looked up. Let me see if I can scroll and find it. Do, do, do. Do, do, do. Science. Science. I blew my student's mind when uh, he asked me, where does crystal violet come from? And I was like, I don't know. I'll Google it. Scientists just Google. The half-life is roughly six hours. Oh, that's And within fast. the 24-hour time window, it basically goes to zero. But like... So you can't do a couple drops every day. It won't build up. Even yeah. if you wanted to poop. There's easier ways to poop, folks. It will yeah. probably substantially irritate his bowel, but... <laughs> Just drink It'll coffee. It'll get the job done. Is it coffee oh. enough? 
I know, right? Anyway. All right, so they're listening in on her conversation. They bring up the visine. The coroner starts a conversation with her to bring up the visine to kind of get her to open up. And Lana immediately knows what it is. She said, somebody one time told him that visine would help him go to the bathroom. He would put like two drops in his coffee and it would help him go. He's been doing it for years. He'd put it in his coffee every morning so that he would have a bowel movement. And when they bring up the word tetrahydrazoline, she immediately knows what it is. And that's when the investigators are like, huh, because the coroner didn't know what it was. And she specifically did, so maybe there's a little bit more something here. It probably doesn't come up in nursing very often. Probably not. Yeah. Because how many people actually get poisoned with it? One? Steve? (laughs) Yeah. Steve. So they come in, and Lana's, like, hugely surprised that they were even there listening in on her. She's overwhelmed. She kind of begins trailing off her sentences. And they kind of play it cool, and they act like she's just a witness for a case. They just want to ask a few more questions. But Get a lawyer, Lana. Because they actually do want to ask her questions on the record, they say that they're going to read her her Miranda rights as sort of a formality. It's just a formality. Don't worry about it. It's never a fucking formality. <laughs> Even if you're mm-hmm. innocent, get a lawyer before you talk to the cops. Yeah. Yeah. So immediately, Lana, instead of saying, I want a lawyer, uh, begins turning on her husband. And she says that she was wondering if he was trying to commit suicide. He did have a mood disorder, after all. I always had to walk on eggshells. I didn't know if he was going to come home or if he was going to be angry with me. He could sometimes be really nasty, was verbally abusive, you know, call me names, stupid bitch, this, that, and the other. She sounds like a stupid bitch. (laughs) Steve was right. Steve knew what he was talking about. Steve. Terry probably knew as well. I bet you he did. (laughs) So his nephews, Chris and Nick, said that they never saw any evidence of that, that Steve was a loving husband. He definitely loved to be in love. That's true. um, Mm And it had not been treating him well. And he had at least six live ex-wives, so he's not like murdering them all. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So then Lana turns on her heels. She says, I feel like I'm painting a bad picture of him. He wasn't a monster or anything. And the investigators pressed her further. And they were saying, like, well, you're in the nursing business. Don't you know the effects of this? And she said, sure. But I didn't think Visine was anything that would be serious to, you know, like your health. <laughs> I've taught a lot of pre-nursing students. Yeah. Uh, some of them might not know anything about it. Sure. But, like, if it, something says only to use topically, you don't ingest it. Now I'm trying to think if I've ever ingested something <laughs> that's topical. I'll get back to you. Chapstick. All the time, actually. <laughs> All the fucking time. <laughs> the other embarrassing thing about turning my video on during that R thing is that I put my chapstick on like four times. <laughs> and it was five minutes. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. One application per minute. Oh, uh, yeah. Wow. No more yeah. video for me for this R class. It's fine. Solana's getting defensive. She's starting to notice that they're questioning her and it seems like they're trying to pin it on her. And so she stopped the interview and goes home. She goes back to the mansion. Investigators are following her there because she, you know, was still kind of talking with them. And they recorded this conversation. Lana had told the investigators once she got home, basically a confession. So she starts off saying, you know, I had this little table set up next to the bed with all his tissues, his urinal, his medications, his visine. And one day I just, I saw it and I was just so angry. I took it and I squirted, I think I put the whole thing into uh, his coffee. So the cops were in the house with her? The investigators, yeah. So I think like a, like the two detectives. That, that just followed her case. home, she let them in? I guess she was still having conversations. She didn't want to be there with the FBI, but she wanted to still communicate with them. Okay. Because they were being friendly with her. Because at, at the beginning, they were like, oh, yeah, no, of course you're not at fault or anything. She just wants to keep talking and get stuff off her chest. She's never lawyered up. I put Vicey in my coffee. <laughs> yeah. 
So she just keeps talking. Did she offer the investigators coffee? Oh, God. <laughs> Do y'all want a cup of coffee? <laughs> They're like, Mm-mm. no, no, no. I hate coffee. What was I saying? So as she's rattling off this explanation of what's by his bedside, she explains that she puts the whole thing in. Okay. And that amount would have been enough to stop him breathing. Oh, Jesus. The detective's like, what? The whole bottle? And she goes, I think I did. And so they're finally like, okay. Back in the cruiser, ma'am. Why are you (laughs) telling me this, ma'am? So she just kept talking and she finally comes to this conclusion. Well, what if I did kill him? What what if I had caused his death with the Visine? And she quickly transformed from this grieving widow into this embittered, I'm I'm mad at him. He deserved it kind of thing. I just wanted him to suffer is what she said. Jesus. Okay, I understand that fact. His demands um, because he was bedridden and couldn't get up from his vertigo, right? Yeah, but for like how many days though? Like it seems like 3 were the days that since the first dose of poisoning maybe. Even with vertigo though, can you not go to the bathroom? So You've never pissed your bed. No, I have not. She <laughs> definitely, well, she said that there was like a urinal by the bed. But at some point, if he's incapacitated because of how poisoned he uh, is, fair. he can't get up. Okay. Right. Okay. So it could be that he was poison poison for that amount of time and she's increasing this dose until it was finally enough to Make do him, him stop in. breathing. Yeah. But it never actually specifies that in this story. So she claims she's fed up with his, with his constant demands. She was tired of having to help him do everything. It built up. She wanted to make him pay in diarrhea. But <laughs> <laughs> what she didn't expect was for it to have actually moved on to respiratory failure. God, I've been mad, but I've never been give my enemy diarrhea mad. But it's going in the bank. It's going like, you know, it's back there. Yeah, oh. but you could do that with like Miralax. It, needs, it doesn't have to be fucking Visine. I would never think Visine. No. Yeah. So after they got this recording, they left and went to go prepare an arrest warrant. And then that's when Lana attempts suicide. She took pills. She turned the gas on, left notes indicating that she felt bad about poisoning her husband. She just couldn't live with herself. But of course, she survives it. So was she really trying? She didn't try that hard. I don't know, though. Yeah. Because she knows she fucked up. And her other option is jail. Yeah. I would definitely try to kill myself for realsies. Or it's a feigned remorse thing that she yeah. just was trying to do. Oh, it was an accident. To cause I just wanted to make him shit himself to death, but I fucked up. And he, <laughs> he couldn't breathe. <laughs> okay, something like that. So she had incapacitated him with smaller amounts and then gradually ramped it up until the fatal dose, which would explain why Steve was bedridden for th- those three days and why his bed was soaked in piss. Poor Steve. Yeah, yeah. three days uh, of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they theorize that at some point he might have crossed below a threshold to recognize that he was really, really sick and needed to get help pronto. And that's when he got up and tried to make it out of the house. Oh, no. But, you know, collapsed down the stairs. But his phone couldn't be found after he died. And she had apparently taken and hidden it somewhere. Like, so he, don't know how. He might have died from a trip down the stairs. I mean, he definitely had a lethal dose yeah. of the Visine in his body, too. But yeah. Wow. So on August 31st, 2018, a month, more than a month after Steve's death, Lana was formally charged with murder. And everyone states that she had several million reasons why she wanted her husband dead. And that was the millions uh, of dollars. Uh, 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 quotation Steve's marks family, I was making. Yeah. Steve's family speculate that Lana had actually started planning Steve's death back in 2016 when Lana had convinced him to move from North Carolina to the mansion in South Carolina. Because South Carolina, there is a law that if 
your husband or your spouse dies in the absence of a will, then Uh they would be inheriting the entire estate. So she would take the entire amount of his savings and everything and and his um he didn't have a will at this point though right you would think steve so chris recalls that lana had become really agitated when he asked her about the will on the day that steve had died Mm. and he recalls her demeanor in court and said that she abruptly stood up she turned and angrily looked him right in the eye and says there is no will Oh, just like that. She's like, what's his face that I did? Dana Ewell. Who cares Uh, about the wheel? Where's the money? Yeah. Yeah. So Chris is certain that Lana actually destroyed the will in a fire in the mansion's backyard fire pit. And the neighbors actually saw this fire pit. There's not a copy of the will somewhere? The day after Steve's death. I did learn that you generally retain the original copy or the original signed copy the lawyer should and have it. The lawyer should have a copy of it, but they can contest if it's not the original sing- like they don't have the actual oh. original signature. Okay. Don't ask me how I know that. <laughs> Meredith looking sus. My mom just recently had um, her wills and stuff done, and that was just some information that that the lawyer was sharing with her. Okay, interesting. So Lana decides she's going to plead guilty to tampering with food and drugs and voluntary manslaughter. She continued to insist that she never meant to kill him. Everyone's against her at this point. Her defense lawyers in court say that Lana was a good person, having worked as a veteran affairs nurse in Charlotte. And they said that she was abused as a child and raped on a military Ah. base and suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder and that she had attempted to to kill herself. So obviously there's some remorse there. But Oh, the only suicide attempt, though, was after Steve's death. She wasn't suicidal before. No. Okay. But because they showed that it was a ramp up of the dosage and that she had kept him there and hidden his phone and destroyed his will. Okay. Meditation. Damn it, Lana. Yeah. There's all these things kind of adding up against her. And so essentially WSOC reports that friends and family of Steve Clayton were emotional as they gave the impact statements inside the courtroom. Steve's goddaughter said that Lana has fooled a lot of people. Please don't let her fool you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, she gets 25 years in prison for poisoning him, and they, they do get her on manslaughter. 25 years for manslaughter? Manslaughter. For that and the tampering of food and drugs. Is that a crime? That's also like felony. <laughs> that's felony. Yeah, you're not, like, you should not administer them okay. in, like, the way that they are not in. Oh, I see. What is the word I'm looking for? I don't know. But I know what you it's mean. It's the same for, like, roofies, too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why it's a felony is because it, it's really, really dangerous to use them in a way that they're not prescribed. Right. Okay, I see. So this makes a fun segue for the third story. Um, Tetrahydrazoline was first patented in 1954. And in that year, another chemical was also used in a different way. DDT! LSD. I mean, I'm sure there were lots of other chemicals used in different ways. <laughs> I'm just trying to guess my but 60s in this story, chemical. <laughs> in this story, it's it's kind of a silly, sad one. In 1954, Arthur Ford was working as an office manager at a large chemical manufacturer in London. He was also apparently a devoted husband and father, but had fallen in love with a young woman at his workplace named Betty Grant. Just get Adulterer. a Morris. <sighs> yeah. Betty was less enthusiastic about any relationship with Arthur. Ah, okay. And kept putting him off, like, yeah. <laughs> so, of course, Arthur decides to try a little chemical coercion. No! Oh, no. 
During the course of his work, he regularly saw the names of chemicals on orders that passed through the office, but he wasn't a chemist or anything trained, so generally, like, he had no idea what they were. But um, one day, a query came into his office about cantharidin. Sorry, that's hard for me to pronounce right now. Cantharidin, um, which is the principal component of Spanish fly. Which is... And... What is Spanish fly? <laughs> so he'd heard about this, reputa- okay, this Spanish fly Googling. and its reputation as an aphrodisiac. Yeah. But hadn't known the chemical name was cantharidin or that it's com- his company actually kept a pretty large quantity of it in their stores. So Spanish fly is actually a beetle found in the Mediterranean region. It's one of a group of insects called blister beetles from um, that they secrete this cantharidin from their mouths and like a milky substance from their joints. And it actually causes blisters. So they're called blister beetles because of it. And the it like in large exposures can cause severe chemical burns on soft tissue. So like on your skin and things like that. So it's also referred to as beetle juice. Oh, <laughs> okay. So you don't actually put it on your penis. No, <laughs> no. So... It's unclear why it should even have a reputation as an aphrodisiac, but it (laughs) it does actually cause dilation of blood vessels when it's ingested, which allows for extremities, specifically one organ I can think of. I can also think of fingers and toes. Fingers and toes, not great. But it, it increases the dilation of those blood vessels for a lot of minor extremities. And this, you know, like in higher doses can cause more of that blistering effect. But lower doses, you might be able to have somewhat of a pleasant experience. So for this reason, Spanish fly was used in animal husbandry in the past huh. for helping those processes, sure. But in small doses, also as a topical medicine for skin conditions in humans. And they're listed as problem drugs because of their secondary effects when they're misdosed. So when ingested, it can be fatal in doses as low as 10 milligrams. The same blistering effects that are seen on the skin can cause severe hemorrhaging in the intestinal tract. Not good. Uh, There'll be vomiting, darkened urine, bloody stools. There's no antidote and death is painful and rapid. There's no antidote. Oh my God. Yeah. There's there's no way around it. Once it blisters your innards, you're done. Yeah. The website I'm on also mentions Bill Cosby. Do you have that in your script? I don't. Apparently, he's joked about it a lot on his stand-ups. Oh, no. Uh, uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, and apparently, ooh, you can put it in a girl's drink and it works the same on girls? Yeah. Uh, It dilates our blood vessels in our penis. Which is our clip. the equivalent, yeah. So it is like a mild aphrodisiac when dosed correctly, which is very, 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 very low. Which is very, 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 very bad for Bill Cosby. Yes. Well, there's lots of things bad for Bill Cosby. Yeah. There's so many things. Pardon pops. Maybe that's a reason why he's not in this script, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, bad jokes. I know. Oh, God. Um, okay, so Arthur, excited about seeing this come across his desk. Oh, come on, Arthur. Goes to check it out. One of his company's pharmacists say, absolutely not. He's told in no uncertain terms that it's dangerous. It's a number one poison. Why'd she ask? He says, in that case, I better not have it. Uh, duh. So then, despite this warning, he later creeps back into the stores at night oh. and stole a quantity of the drug. Uh-huh. Arthur. When checking the stocks later, the company revealed that 39 grams was missing. Holy fuck. 39 grains. 2.5 grams, oh. which is still enough to kill over 200 Jesus people. Jesus fucking yeah. Christ. I wonder if it was Arthur who just asked me about this specific compound. <laughs> <laughs> 
The following day, on April 27th, 1954, Arthur bought a bag of sweets on his way back from lunch, some coconut ice, which is a pink and white sugary coconut square covered in chocolate, kind of like those Mm -hmm. little buttercream chocolates that are made with coconut. Mm -hmm. At this point, he had put some of his stolen canthard, oh my god, I cannot pronounce this. (laughs) But whatever it is. Beetlejuice. He put Ah, Beetlejuice onto some of the chocolates and they just like kind of pushed the crystalline substance into the granules that are like the sugar on top of the candy. So it wasn't really that unusual for Arthur to buy sweets and treats for his staff, especially the ladies, because he was trying to get on their good side. Um, No one really suspected anything when he put them out and started to distribute them to staff in his office. He picked up an individual square and handed them directly to people rather than Mm. letting them take their own. Okay. Like, here, this one is for you. This one's for you. (laughs) And he gave Betty Grant her piece and also Miss Scamell and Miss Glover. Okay. And no one could remember Miss Mallins being offered any, but several people recalled her eating a square. And Arthur even had some too. Around 3.30 p.m., Miss Mallins complained of stomach pains and Betty helped her upstairs to the sick room. At this point, Betty didn't show any sort of effects, but, you know, was able to go back to work after helping her friend. And then about a half hour later, Betty also went up to the sick room. Arthur also started to feel unwell, but he complained of a headache and looked like he might faint. He was then seen laying down on the floor of his office. The doctor was called and it was found that Miss Mullins, Betty Grant, and Arthur all required hospital treatment. The condition of the two women deteriorated rapidly and unfortunately they both died. Oh my god. Oh my god, so he... Arthur recovered. Oh, you piece of shit. Hey, Miss Madeline's just a random bystander? Yeah, she wasn't actually gifted any of the candy, but she seems to have taken one oh, anyway. Oh shit, she sounds She's like me. She's a candy snatcher. <laughs> I mean, if like, if everyone else in the office got one and you just kind of got left out accidentally, I'm like, I'd be like, oh. taking one. They didn't make it to my desk, I'll just take one. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be a candy snatcher. It. it might save your life. Yeah. So it was the Beetlejuice was detected in both of their bodies, (laughs) which was like a significant amount, Mm -hmm. 10 times the amount that actually would have been lethal. Yeah, like grains level amount that could kill that many people. That's bonkers bad. Yeah. Yeah. These are industrial chemicals, too. So like, it's like pure. Yeah. Jesus. (laughs) Yep. So it was stated, too, that even if the doctors knew what had caused their illness before their deaths, that they wouldn't have been oh, able yeah, to do Oh, yeah, because there's anything. no antidote, mm-hmm. which is even fucking worse yeah. to know there's no antidote. Yeah. Like, you're going to you're gonna not make I it. I think I'd rather die not knowing that. Yeah. Yeah. So Arthur confessed slowly, sometimes incoherently, had to have some quote-unquote encouragement. Fuck you, car. <laughs> incoherently and had to have some quote-unquote encouragement from the police. Okay. Um, It was clear that he was devastated by the deaths and never intended to kill his victims. Yeah. He just wanted to have sexy time with them. He actually ended up admitting that he had been trying to coerce Betty and that the death of Miss Mallins had been caused by carelessness. He then stood trial on a charge of manslaughter and pleaded guilty and was sentenced to five years. Five?! What? For two fucking people? Yeah. Excuse me? The 50s. Because he was an idiot that That somehow makes it okay? What? Five fucking years? Where was this again? Did you say England? UK? Yeah, London. Maybe they're not as, like, revengeful as we are, but five years is stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Five years. In the 50s. And there's no no inflation for that, right? Oh, (laughs) no. He got out and had a regular life. 
Or he probably roofied some other girl. Yeah. Yep. I wonder how his wife feels about it. Oh my god, yeah, I forgot he's married. Oof. Ugh. Ugh. I hope she divorced him. As a wife, I would say no. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I found that, you killed two people because... You'd be like, well, where'd the rest of the dose go? Yeah. <laughs> because you wanted to have sex with one of those people? Yeah. Wife no. quarter, we say no. I'm not a wife. <laughs> So, yeah, those are my three weird, weird not normal okay. murder weapon cobra, mini stories. Cobra, Visine, and Beetlejuice. <laughs> cobra, Venom, Visine, and Beetlejuice. <laughs> All right, they got weirder and weirder, to be honest. I thought Cobra was yeah. weird. Yeah. I never really thought about Visine as being... Don't put Visine in your fucking drinks. It's not funny. <laughs> Just get some Miralax if you need to poop. Just drink Senna. coffee. Coffee. I don't know, dude. There's lots you of ways get, to do it. You can drink fiber, dangerous. citrus cells, my favorite. Fiber every day. Mm-hmm. That makes stuff smooth. Citrus cells, sponsor us. Yeah. <laughs> They're kind of expensive. We're going to be like a podcast for old ladies. Hey, but we'd all be regular. I'm an old lady at heart, okay? <laughs> Activia. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. We can get Jamie Lee Curtis on here. Oh Woo. my God. All right. Well, thank you, Sarah. That was super fun. Yeah. Apologies for yeah. all the interruptions. Oh, it was I was fun. having a good it's time. Fine. I do enjoy the the theme of uncommon murder weapons. That was of your brilliant. significant other. It was a theme on a yeah. theme. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, I wasn't really sure like what this like. They all kind of have the same feeling of like this is weird. Yeah, but yeah. I wasn't really sure what to call this theme. So I'm like, it's just weird. <laughs> it's fine. I love okay. it. I do have some astrology on November eighth when this airs. Palace Athena turns direct. Fucking Palace Athena. I know, right? So Palace, the the first thing I think of when I think of Palace is like the Palace Cat. Oh, I was thinking of a castle. P-A-L-L-A-S. Now I'm thinking of a penis. Phallus. Like Phallus. Palace. 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 Okay. I think of Palace Cats because there's like this one funny video of a Palace Cat and they like, they have the snarkiest fucking facial expressions. They're so funny. We'll put a picture of a Palace Cat on the uh, interwebs. Mm -hmm, There's like a meme one that's just like, oh my god, this cat. Anyways, so Palace Athena oh. <laughs> is an asteroid. It's also a funny uh, cat. It's, sim- it's a funny cat. Oh god. Oh, we could probably Photoshop a Palace cat face onto the asteroid. Oh my god. Sarah, <laughs> that's you. You're our arts director. Yeah. Done. I'll do it. Okay. Palace Athena is an asteroid. It symbolizes our ability to turn our goals into realities <gasps> and represents our talents in the arts, no. perspective and wisdom, defense and intuition. Am I going to graduate? Yeah. Is that what this means? Turn your goal into a reality. It's like how you strategize, how you make things happen. It's Athena. I love Athena. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Palace has actually been in retrograde since July of this year. I feel it. Now turning not retrograde anymore. It's turning direct. <laughs> awesome. So now is the time to pounce. I actually wrote Palace Oh my god. Here. I was even thinking Palace cat. Like a Palace cat. <laughs> uh, so yeah, take action, strategize, pounce. Mew. Pounce. I think a palace cat might be just the face might be what I use on the educational website we use. So when I teach, they get an email from me with just that face. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely. There's a few that have like, it's like the perfect resting bitch face. But yes. that's the perfect surprised face. Mm-hmm. I have the surprised cat face as my icon in all of my professional work. <laughs> 
like these things just have such they're almost human they're like if a if if you try and draw a human version of a cat oh like, they're yeah. capable of giving side eye Mm-hmm. They have this like furrowed brow look where they just kind of look pissed off at you. Like it's just we're gonna great. do All just a pure tweet that's just cats. That's totally on brand for us. Heck yeah! Especially because <laughs> the last two episodes is just otter purring in the background. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna okay. graduate. Not this quarter. Yay! I can't stop looking at these. Cats. I know they're, they're so they're fucking so, cool. They're funny, aren't they? I love their little eyebrows. They're just like they're so expressive, and they like can move their mouths really well as well to be like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. that's Sassy. awesome. <laughs> I love it. I have two additional for astrology. Yay! Bing, bang, boom. Awesome. On Wednesday, November 10th, Mars and Scorpio will be square. Yeah. With Saturn and Aquarius, and this is going to be a very difficult day as it relates to expressing yourself. So just be aware of that. Okay, not a day to talk to my boss. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And on Friday, November 12th, the Sun in Scorpio will be trying with Neptune in Pisces, and this is going to be a very creative and imaginative day. So time for Sarah supplies out. Sarah, copy paste right. the palace cat face onto an asteroid on Friday. <laughs> oh, I was gonna just do that right now. I guess you don't you don't need this extra energy. It's pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. And while we're continuing to look at palace cats probably for the I next can't even umpteen stop. hours. Yeah, I can't either. You're welcome. You. Send us send us some murder mittens or some additional pets to add to our murder mittens page because we would love to see those and if you have a palace cat which i guess you probably probably shouldn't but i don't yeah they're wild animals leave them leave them be i can't imagine waking up to that face every day (laughs) where are they native to because we we are in some countries right so maybe if you're on a walk and you see one take a snap and send it to us oh yes amazing Right, but you can connect with us. We're on Twitter at True Trine, on Instagram at True Crime Trine, on Facebook at TCT Podcast. Send those palace cat pictures to truecrimetrine at gmail.com and check out our website at www.truecrimetrine.com. And I don't have a quote, but I do have the palace cat's range. So if you're in the Caucasus, eastward to Central Asia, comma, Mongolia, <laughs> and adjacent parts of Zangaria and the Tibetan Plateau. That okay. is where the palace cat is. It's fucking everywhere. No, that seems pretty small, actually. It's like just south of. Well, I'm pulling up the Wikipedia one. Uh huh. And it's like. Oh, I see regions, it now too. It's like Armenia, <gasps> all the way over to like Tianjin. Oh my god! So like China? Wikipedia words lied to me. Yeah, no, it's it's like, look at Russia, and then look at everything south of Russia. Basically. And everything south of Russia is where it is, except for India. Yeah, it stops, like, a, in Nepal. So, like, they don't go over the Himalaya, maybe. Okay. Their little legs are too small. Oh. No, that's where the snow leopards are, right? And they're Bigger small. kitties. <laughs> small. Small cat. They're they are so, so cute. cute, though. Sassy little things. All right, bye. <laughs>
by the lovely Sarah Guest. As for production, well, they call me post-production. Show notes are available upon request. Just email truecrimetrine at gmail.com. Join us again next week for another tantalizing episode.